Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District Podcast. It's been a little while since we've done one of these, but uh, we're back today just before the return of Premier League football. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the European lad, uh, Ajax Twitter account. Welcome. welcome thank podcast. you, thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> thank you. It's really good to have you on and obviously um, quite a lot of interesting stuff going on at the minute. Football is enduring mm-hmm. a very turbulent time um, with both obviously transfers now starting to pick back up, the the game obviously picking back up. Um just on a personal level, yeah. how, how have you been over these over these past few few months? How have I personally been? Mm, yeah, how have you been co- coping fine. with it all? Yeah. I've been fine, man. It was tough uh, with the lockdown at first because you got bored with no football. Mm. I would have been fine if there was football on TV, but with no football, it's a lot tougher. Yeah. But yeah. then again, there are a lot of people who are struggling financially and uh, in terms of health, so they must have had it a lot harder than me. So I've been fine. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, one of the main reasons we've got you on is to discuss Donny van der Beek, a man who's been increasingly increasingly linked to Manchester United in recent weeks. Edwin van der Sar confirmed that there is an interest on our side. I have to ask. Yes, correct. Yeah, I have to ask. What, what do you think of the rumours as a whole, and what what do you think about the likelihood of of him coming to to Manchester United? Uh, well, the reports they go they go all the way back to last summer. Yeah. Um, last summer, as all the reliable reports wrote, there was an agreement between Real Madrid and Donny van de Beek and with Real Madrid and Ajax, and everything was done. So, But at the same thing that's happening now was happening then, which is Real Madrid, they didn't want to pull that final trigger. Mm. They didn't want to pay the money, which is 50 or 60 million. They just didn't pay it. And back then, the report said that this was because of Paul Pogba. And as you probably know, with every United fan probably knows that Paul Pogba is a big target for, especially for Zidane, for Real Madrid in general, but Zidane really loves him. And that was their number one target instead of Donny van de Beek. So that lasted all summer long, last summer. And eventually, Donny decided to let Ajax know that he was going to stay for just one more season while agreeing with Ajax that he would, you know, that he would be allowed to leave this summer, mm. the summer when we're in now. Um, yeah, so the agreement with Real Madrid was done, and it was all just clear that they could pull it off this summer. And I remember around December, the reliable Dutch uh, Telegraph stated, and I actually have this report in front of me right now. Mm. I searched it up for this podcast. They uh, they reported that from the 1st of July, 2020, Donny van der Beek will will become a Real Madrid player. And bear in mind, this is the same paper that broke the news last weekend with Man United being interested in Donny van der Beek. Mm. So when it comes to transfers, this is a really reliable source. They broke the news with Ziyech to Chelsea, for example. They 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 broke the Tadic to Ajax news, the Daily Blind to Ajax. Every time there's a scoop or there's a big deal, they are the first to announce it. Right. It's, yeah. So, yeah, and now we're in this summer. And the same source, source has been stated that Real Madrid is not willing to make the payment now. But this time it's because of a different reason. Uh, because the coronavirus struck really hard in the city of Madrid and lots of people are struggling for, and for them to make a 50, 60 million signing while the city is in so much 
financial pain. It's just, you know, it's it's not the right time. That's what they're writing. So both the Spanish papers write it and the reliable papers here, they, they say it's just, it's just not the right time and it, it would most likely damage their image a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's where Man United come in, you know. They, you know, last week, Saturday night, uh, they broke the news that they want to try to sign him and they, that they started talks with Ajax and with Donny van der Beek. And Donny himself would be open for a move there. So that that's the current situation. So the current situation is more of a question mark. Like, will Donny van der Beek again wait for Real Madrid? Does he have that patience? Or will he eventually decide to let that dream go and go for Man United instead? Mm. That That's how I see the situation right now. Mm. Or, 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 or will it, will it, sorry. No, go on. You go. No, 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 it's fine. Or will he decide to stay for yet another year? Which mm. is still, is an option people forget, but it's still, it's still an option. I, th- I think it's the last option. I think it's the, uh, it's not really a, a big chance of mm. happening, but it's still an option. And I would, I would love it, obviously, but I don't think it's going to happen. On a personal level, do you think Van der Beek had his had his heart set on a move to Madrid? And do you think that's something that's going to hang yes. over him? Hang, do you think that yes. will hang over him then? Yeah, definitely. It's mm. it's he he always had Madrid in his mind, but it's it's taking so long, and that that's what I meant with what I said. It's it's a it's going to be his patience is going to be tested a lot. Yeah, it's interesting because over the years, obviously. Manchester United at one point was the pinnacle of the, of the world. Obviously, Madrid have always been a big club as well. And mm-hmm. when you've got those two clubs sniffing around you, it's, it's interesting at the minute whether it's, whether it's incredible, yeah, yeah, whether he's got that that sort of that dream move as Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. obviously had to Madrid, or whether he, yeah, yeah. you know, buy into the project that that we're trying to create at, at United. As an Ajax fan, mm-hmm. having watched him develop, I'm sure you've got an opinion on where you'd like him to end up, obviously, because obviously you want him to succeed as a product of, of the club. Yeah, support. definitely. Um, would you prefer him to come to England and play for United under under Solskjaer, or do you think the Madrid move would be better for his career? Mm, it's, a, it's a tough question. I, I don't really have a preference. Uh, I, I watch both Premier League and La Liga, and what I always say is, <clears throat> I, I just want to watch him play football, you know. And with, for example, Matthijs de Ligt went to Serie A, and although Juventus is a great club, I was, personally, I was a bit, um, wouldn't say sad, but I would have preferred him to go to La Liga or or England, because those leagues, in my opinion, are more attractive to watch. So from that point of view, I would give my opinion, but because I both like La Liga and Premier League, I don't really have a preference. But it does look like Real Madrid doesn't... Uh, how do you say it? doesn't really see him as a high priority and a must wanted player you know because I think they would have if that was if that would have been the case they would have been signing him straight away last summer already and mm. it just it just looks like they're toying around with him that they're not really seeing him as a as a main priority and I hope that's not the case I hope that they're not toying around with him because if if that's the case then I would definitely prefer Man United because yeah. At least they, at least they show that they're really wanting. That's also important. Mm. Do you think? <clears throat> do you think? Just going back to the point of Edwin Van der Sar, obviously involved as a, I think what is his role? Technical director at Ajax is, is that his sort of, is that his title? Edwin Van der Sar at Ajax, Ed, te- uh, technical director. I don't really know how to say the term in English. Okay, okay. I, th- but, I think it's something along those sort of lines, isn't it? He's 
he's obviously. Do you think he's going to have a say in the move? Yeah, well, his his connection with Man United is obviously going to play a role with Woodward and with his past there at the club. So it plays a role in terms of that they can just start talks with Fendesar and in that way, you know. Mm. It's it's just good to have for United someone like him. Yeah. And going on to Van, Van der Beek as a player, obviously, uh, you know, tactically and his sort of role, do you think, how would he yeah. fit in at United? What, what type of player is Donny van der Beek, just to sum up for anyone who obviously hasn't <coughs> watched him all that much? Well, have you watched him in the Champions League last last year? I've seen him in the Champions League, yeah, but I've got to say I don't watch much much Eredivisie, to be, to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand. But in the Champions League, he was... That's where he really showed himself to the world in that role in that position, mm. and it's uh, it's 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 close to the box. It's inside the box. It's just in that area, you know. He has a, he's a great awareness of what's happening around him. He has he, he can assist. He can score goals. So I, I don't really have a specific um, position for him, but just in that role, I love him the most. Yeah. Yeah. So not really a uh, defensive midfielder. He can play that role, defensive midfielder, but that's not the way he showed himself to the world. Mm. I think that's part of the debate that's been going on around him and, and something I've personally brought up is whether he's actually w- what we need at the minute. Obviously, we've got an array of what what you'd say is pro- possibly a bit more progressive midfielders. We've got, we've obviously mm-hmm. got Fred, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, just name a few. Scott McTominay isn't exactly a, a, a base of midfield. And it's just whether yeah. the next midfielder we sign should be uh, someone to replace Nemanja Matic as a, as a base of that midfield who can obviously free up those around him. Do, do you think, obviously you've said there that he's perhaps more progressive in and around the box. Do you think he's got that ability to play at the base of midfield like like consistently? He has the ability to play there, yeah. Mm. But like I said, I would not prefer him there. He yeah. has, he, His qualities are way more... Um, how do you say that? His qualities show off a lot more in that area that I just described. Mm. He has played there before in the role you just described, but it's not his, his strongest aspect of his game, in my opinion. Yeah. Just finally, um, out from the outside looking in at Manchester United, I've asked this to quite a few people who we've had on. Obviously, not so few of them not associated at all mm-hmm. with United, uh, you being one of them. How do you see United's project from the outside looking in? Do you think it, it's looking good for United? Do you think Solskjaer's building something meaningful? What, what are your thoughts on the whole sort of project that United has obviously put into? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a really... I do watch every United game, but I'm not a very strong follower of their... of their How do you say that? Philosophy or yeah, the way yeah. they... The, the direction they want to go. But I do... I was watching their uh, squad the other day and you have Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, McTominay, uh, Mata, Pereira, Fred, you have so many options in midfield <laughs> and I, I, I was just wondering what, what he's going to do with that, you know, what, mm. what formation he wants to play and how he wants to fit in Donny van der Beek. That's not something I can answer but I just, I was just wondering how Solskjaer was going to be able to work that out with so many options. Mm. That's definitely something that I think a lot of United fans have discussed but as well. Do you think it's going to be Pogba and then Bruno Fernandes for sure in the main starting eleven? 
I think so. Well, it, it, it all depends, really, because I think a lot of people have suggested in the midfield of Bruno, Fernandez, Pogba, and Fred, which I personally don't think has got enough defensive cover to been, it. Fred has been good this season, hasn't he? He has. Fred's been excellent. Yeah, Fred's been really yeah. good. It's just whether Fred's got that ability to play as the base midfield, which we know Matic has got. And that's why I think our best midfield, if you want... Cause, it's so hard. You've got to play both Pogba and, and Bruno in my eyes. They're, they're mm-hmm. two of the most talented players at the club. And in order to play yeah. those two together, especially in a midfield three, and we know Pogba can't really play at a pivot, so that removes the option of a mm-hmm. 4-2-3-1, really, is you've got to have someone who can who can free those two up. And that's why I'm a bit surprised at, at Van der Beek being our yeah. priority, yeah, yeah. As, as a Matic replacement would seem more... More in, you know, more in check. You know, a Thomas Party type figure, somebody like that at the base. So that that has really surprised yeah. me, to be honest. Yeah, I understand. That's what I meant. With you have so many options, but then again, Real Madrid has that. Real Madrid has Modric, Casemiro, Kroos, um, who else? Isco, and then obviously Valverde has been has, has had a tremendous development this season. Mm. And that hasn't been said in any report, but I think the de- development of Valverde could could have just, you know, been a, a factor in them not wanting to sign on the bake anymore because they didn't expect his development to be that good. Mm. Valverde's development. Yeah. So maybe that plays a role in it as well, you know. Mm. Do you think playing time is something that that he obviously obviously it's something he will look at? Do you? Yeah, think, definitely. As definitely. you say, as you say with Valverde there and and the array of Madrid midfielders, although some of them getting getting on now, obviously Modric and Cruz approaching the sort of the, the back leg of their career. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think that he'd get the game time he requires at Real Madrid? Because obviously I think United, we we could perhaps maybe guarantee him obviously more game time than Madrid. Well, I, look, I always think of Zidane when, he, when someone asks this question. I'm not sure if Zidane really, really is a fan of Donny van der Beek because last summer it already showed that Van der Beek was option number two for him instead of Pogba, and I, I'm just not sure if Zidane really wants to wants to have Van der Beek in his squad. And he, even if he does want to have him in his squad, I have my doubts about whether he want to use him a lot in the first uh, team. Mm. Well, in the first eleven, sorry. That's the thing at Real Madrid. You've got that dynamic, haven't you, between Florentino Perez, who's got a whole mind of his own, I think, really with yeah, transfers. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then Zidane, that sort of perhaps a clash of ideology there. That yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Place. There's there's like difference between them, and I th- I do think the, the board want, would want Van der Beek, but then does Sidan really want to use him a lot? That that that's my main doubt. Mm. Obviously, there's always marketing assumed with these things as well. And United obviously haven't got yeah 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 we haven't got that massive Dutch contingency anymore like we have in you know past squads. Obviously, Van Persie became yeah. an icon of of the club. Um, and obviously Van Nistelrooy, exactly, yeah, sure. Van Nistelrooy, Van der Sar, and the like. So you think that's probably something that's at the back of both clubs' yeah, minds, to be honest. So. Alexander Budner. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Alex Budner. I'm, I'm glad you've remembered remembered that man. Um, <laughs> not not many do, I don't think. But uh, good left peg on him, to be fair. Good good left peg on that on that man. Um, yeah, it didn't really work out though. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't, unfortunately. Hopefully, um, Van der Beek is a bit different if he does end up if he does end up coming. Um, the European lad, it's been a yeah. pleasure to have you on. Thank you for coming okay, on. Okay, man, no problem. To discuss Van der Beek. Um, really appreciate that. Have you got any final words you want to say to anyone listening? No, not really, not really. <laughs> no, that's right. No, not, nothing to say, man. 
everyone going for well, it was good to be on here thank you for that no thanks for coming on and it's, it's brilliant to hear you know a different perspective sometimes you know get get an outside view of of everything everyone go follow yep. at the european lad on twitter <laughs> uh by the way just before we sign off um anyway thank you thank you for coming on mate okay, appreciate man. it no problem see you I'm now delighted to bring on the second guest of uh, today's podcast. We're doing it a bit differently today, mixing it up a little bit. Um, Asif, aka Asif9707, as he's known on Twitter. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on today. No, it's great to have you on, and obviously, really interesting times at the minute. I know people are probably getting bored of me saying that on this podcast, but um, everyone's coping in different ways. How have you personally been getting on with it all? Well, I've just been busy with work, family, and friends, to be honest. So it's been quite. Uh, all right to be honest better than how it was at the start at the start obviously being away from work and not being able to see family and friends it just get a bit boring and just like uh like a bit of a lazy routine and everything but mm. it's been really much better to be honest the last month or so no that's good to hear that's good to hear right first off i think we have to discuss the return of the premier league which is now just around the corner obviously uh in just a week's time or under a week's time um do you think the whole situation has been dealt with, dealt with well by the Premier League? How do you think, you know, the, the whole thing, obviously, is a very tough thing to deal with and a lot of people have different opinions on how it's been dealt with. How do you think, in your opinion, the, the Premier League has dealt with, with the whole situation? Obviously, the players' health and safety, as well as the referees and everyone else that's going to be on and off the pitch, that has to come as a huge priority. So, it's I feel it's been done really well, if I'm being honest, because... At the start of the situation, they, they were actually planning on bringing it back in uh, at the middle of May, towards the end of May. Now it's going to be middle of June, well, next week it will be uh, just after middle of June. So I think they've just taken their time, really. They don't want to rush into any big decisions that could um, cause any issues with the players and everyone else. I think they've just done it really well. And it's like, obviously, the situation in England is, is a bit worse than the other countries around Europe. But we've seen like the situation like Germany, Italy, Spain being much better and well with the numbers and figures in terms of England it's been much better than how it was since the March April time. So I think they've brought it back a good timing because it would have been a bit difficult to see how they would have started the next season. It would have maybe brought it out towards the end of the year. So it's going to be difficult seeing like United playing a couple of day like a game every few days in terms of the players fitness but mm. it is what it is the main priority is just to try finishing this season off before August or I'd say by the end of August but I think is the situation it does make it a bit awkward as fans like you want to see the football being played consistently at the top level but you might not just see that anymore because of how the games will have to be like played with a, a bit of like uh, just a huge difficulty in running out of these fixtures really Mm. I think you make a good point on fitness actually and it's not something that I'd really personally thought about in the the fitter sides and obviously I think we are considered on a more fit fitter sides and obviously the, the figures are there I think aren't they where um, a lot of pieces have been written about it, haven't they that the, the fitness since Solskjaer's come in is obviously massively improved um, so that could benefit us as you said that's a good, po good point you make there and it might actually go against um, you know I, I think of sides like Burnley they spring to mind with obviously the deep block perhaps not as fit and having to play Gains, you know, in those quick succession like you've just mentioned, so that could go against some of the lesser sides. It's, it's obviously a good, good point you make there. Um, our first game back is obviously Spurs away. Not exactly the easiest fixture, I think, to come back in with. How optimistic are you for that? And you know, with the 
fully fit squad now available. What do you think is going to happen in that game? To be honest, I would have preferred playing them back in March when they had no humans on Harry Kane. Mm, yeah. But we've got we've got Paul Pogba back to full fitness, Rashford too, and obviously the players all together, like our midfield and our attack, have had a few days up to a week or mm. so to gel and get the chemistry going back together. But it's going to be really difficult because obviously, like many have seen, the first game back in Bundesliga and in La Liga last night, and it was just not how it normally is without the atmosphere and with players just getting back to grips of their footballing lifestyle. I think it could be a bit disappointing for the fans-wise in terms of seeing like a top-level game being played between United and Spurs. But I would feel confident in seeing uh, us overcome Spurs given their leaky defence, how I see it. I see that we could target their full-backs easily with, through Rashford and Daniel James. Mm. Uh, I would say I would still be confident and the least I would expect is a draw away from home. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I, th- I think, yeah, as you say, we've got players back as have they. Cause it's a bit of a fair game, really. I think everyone's in the lurch a bit as well, not not knowing what it's going to be like. Obviously, with no fans, something a lot of these players, well, they've obviously experienced them in friendlies and under-23 football, but not in a top, top-level top game, as you say, which, um, which would be interesting. I'm, I'm confident, to be honest. I think... I think and I hope we'll be all right. Um, but obviously, it's, you know, Spurs have been preparing vigorously as well. You know, Jose Mourinho has been staying with his coaches. I'm not sure if you saw that. Um, didn't didn't stay with his family over lockdown. Instead, was in a house with his coaches, which is interesting. So we'll see if um, you know a, a philosophical change may have been made there. You know, we'll have, we'll have to see. Obviously, the return of the Europa League and the FA Cup are also looking likely now, alongside the league, meaning our season is basically resuming in its entirety. Um, how do you expect us to finish across the board in all those competitions? And what do you think would be a good season to us for us to finish with? To be honest, I feel quite confident in the Europa League. Um, even before the current situation had happened, I was I was actually expecting us to go ahead and win the Europa League. Mm. Uh, but now I feel even more confident because if the uh, if the situation of the coronavirus didn't have happened, then we would have might not have had. Pogba or Rashford back, say if the Europa League final was to be, I think, around the start of this month, we might have had them back at their best. But now, because uh, because we've got them back, and I think the Europa League and Champions League games are to be played at the end of the season, uh, around August time, mm. August end of August, I feel we should be targeting for a Europa League trophy, to be honest, especially with Given that in the Premier League, our results, especially away from home, can be inconsistent. So, but given that the European League games aren't going to play, going to be played during the Premier League season, it would be just to obviously focus on the Premier League for the time being, and then if we need to get to the Champions League through the Europa League, then we would obviously try and aim to win it from there. And in terms of the FA Cup, I do think it would be nice to win the FA Cup after some time mm. and it has been about I think it's been about three, four years now has it? Yeah, yeah. For, for, I think yeah, four years it's been now, yeah. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see uh, Ole finish his first full season at United with one or two trophies as well as getting through to Champions League football next year which we've not seen in a long time and for us to like play with good performances and good results but I would feel with how our squad has the options finally in midfield and attack that the best is yet to come from our team and we do have the easier running fixtures for the Premier League wise so we could have 
the options to rotate around, whilst the likes of, you could say, Spurs do not have the great options in midfield after Ericsson left in January, and then you could say Arsenal and Chelsea, they might not have the best options to have on the bench. So I feel we could now, because of Bruno's arrival in January, Pogba returning and Rashford returning from injury, we like have options of like Igholo or McTominay, like depends on whether Fred is used on the as a regular starter or from the bench. We finally have these options, so now we can rotate around. So like, it's going to be important, with, as I was saying before, with the run of fixtures where United will be playing every three days or so. It would be like we might have to just rotate the team around where Oli uses his subs like 60th minute or 65th minute rather than how he normally uses it in the last 10 minutes of the game. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure where you personally stand on Solskjaer, but you know, a lot of talk about what, what would be acceptable from him in his first full season. Obviously, that's been put on hold for right now, but obviously now everything's back. We can sort of talk about it again. Do you think, should we miss out on top four and win neither of the Europa League or FA Cup, which is obviously still highly possible, where would you stand on Solskjaer for next season or do you think he's already a shoe-in for this project and we should let him see that out? I think it's... Um... I have been a bit 50-50 with Solskjaer, to be honest. I've yeah. always had my preferred option as Maurizio Pochettino, even before Mourinho came to United. But I would like for Solskjaer to just have next season in terms of the fact that it would be hard for Pochettino or any other manager to come in this summer and obviously have the time to look at the squad, which players fit their project or not. And I think, to be honest, all... Social has just maybe, I'd say, one or two years for his full project to be completed and we can see from there whether it's been successful or not, obviously through the league's success and other success in in the European competition. But I'd say it would be the best option just to probably let Social have uh, another year if he wasn't to finish, take us to the top four finish or win us the FA Cup or Europe League. What do you think? Um, I'm with you on... on being 50-50 about him, I think obviously there's a clear proof that he has that he's not completely useless. Where there was a point in time where, after the the the, the sort of the the honeymoon period, obviously with him as an interim, there was a time where I thought was that completely complete honeymoon period? Is like what are his actual credentials? And I had serious reservations about that. He then showed us in big games that he's massively capable and that he's definitely got a blueprint for those games against the top sides. I think the only thing we need to sort out is how we play against the lesser sides and how to break down that deep block, which obviously we've seen a glimmer of how we can do that with Bruno Fernandes now in, but obviously we haven't had that over an extended period, so it'll be interesting to see with the return of football now how we how we deal with that. Um, I'm, almost, it, I'd, I'm just curious to see how this season plays out, and I think the, the, the hypothetical I laid down for you there in that no Champions League football um, and obviously no silverware alongside that, you'd have to look at... At how at how that's happened really because we've got a really nice run in now not not all that tough especially with Arsenal given that they've got tough run ins and I think I'm, I'm fairly sure out of the top six we've probably got the easiest run in I'm not on HUD search on that but I, I believe we have so you'd, I think you'd really expect us to try and push for that top four place and if we don't I think you've you've got to look at who's out there and Maurizio Pochettino I think will loom large over Solskjaer should he not achieve those goals this season. Um, what happens with Newcastle as well is interesting because obviously Pochettino could yet be taken off the market if uh, their new owners come in and decide to remove Steve Bruce or, or what have you. 
And Pochettino, I don't think... He's not going to hang around forever. That's the thing. He won't just sit around waiting for Solskjaer to lose his job. And I think I think Pochettino being off the market could could be something good for Solskjaer himself. So we'll have to see what happens with him as well. Because Pochettino, we talk about Pochettino like he's almost like he's a Manchester United employee. He's, we're constantly talking about him and constantly his name's rung around for years, isn't it really? Even as you say there, before Mourinho came in, which is obviously back in... What, what was that, 2016, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah I, I, we'll have to see what happens with, with the season and with Pochettino. But as you say, yeah, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Solskjaer, I must say. Um, going back to transfers, one substantial bit of news that came out recently was the extension of Odjir Agarlo's loan until January 2021. I personally think it's a good move. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that one? I think it's it's basically a no-brainer to be honest because the current situation was that Iguala was to go back to China about was it it's been about two weeks is it since yeah. he's yeah so it's like basically having a, a one less player with no option to obviously um, get a replacement for him even though he's coming as a lone player but like every every player counts given the current situation where we're going to be playing a lot of fixtures from now till the end of August obviously Rashford is back so. Igalo might be playing less, but obviously we see Rashford more as a uh, as a wide player rather than as a lone forward now. But Igalo is obviously a good player to have because, uh, with, for instance, you look at Martial. Sometimes he has his rough patches, and sometimes he can just have those type of injuries where you just need him when you uh, when you need him in games uh, from time to time. Like we've had Martial injured last season, the season before, and it's just the way you want him to cement a place in the team and just be the type of player that we need for him to score 15-20 league goals a season and he's uh, he's actually done well Martial given the he, he was out with an injury for six weeks back in October time he's actually mm. done well and he has um, shown that in the past he's had good combination and good chemistry with Rashford, Pogba and even with Bruno since he's joined the club since January so with having Igalo till January, it's a, I'd say it's a no-brainer, and a lot of big clubs in Europe, I feel, with a lot of other clubs in uh, around Europe, of course, will be looking at loan deals this summer because it is going to be hard to you know, cough up, I'd say, 50 plus million on an individual. Whilst obviously football clubs are losing out on money the last couple of months with no fans coming to the stadium and no uh, no money coming in elsewhere on and off the pitch. So I think it's really good to have Igualo until January. But obviously United's main weakness is being able to be proactive. So like where they have to think of the summertime of who to replace Igualo with in January, and they mm. wouldn't come. They wouldn't think of that until it comes to the time of where they have to think. Oh, Igualo's leaving in January. Should we just panic by and sp- spend twenty million on him, or should we just keep an eye out, or are we just fine for now because? Rashford is banging the gold in and so is Martial and so is Bruno. So it just for the short term, Igalo is a good player to have and he does seem to get along with all the players on and off the pitch, especially what, how we see it on social media. But we have to, in terms of, if you want to become one of the biggest clubs in, uh, in England and in Europe again, we have to be ruthless and dominant off yeah. the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I think you've basically banged, banged the nail on the head there, to be honest. As a short-term option, I think he's he's absolutely perfect. You know, he's obviously we're a little chunk of his wages, obviously not the full wages, which is obviously a good thing as well financially. Um, 
although some would argue perhaps not in that it's not money come out of the Glazers' pockets, but but still, um, it's just whether or not. Um, it, do, what do you think about Anthony Martial as our, as our sole number nine? You you touched on him there, saying that he's been he's been quite good. And I agree. This season he's been he's been decent. It's just, <clears> do you think Matt Martial has got the capability to play as a number nine in a properly successful United side? I think he definitely can. His hold up is really good on the ball, and he's able to connect with the central players in Bruno and uh, Pogba very well, as shown since he's been at the club. And he's even uh, gelled well with like the likes of Mata and Rashford, where obviously he might not be scoring the league games week in and out, but he's shown uh, positive signs when he's playing with these attacking-minded players when it comes to cup competition and also in the Europa League. And the thing is, is just with the Martial and Rashford, the issue has been what is their best position. That's the issue that they've had since Mourinho's come to the club. And some, you could say maybe... Uh, a year around Van Hal's time where mm. back then you would have thought Rashford was the perfect lone striker and Rashford, uh, and Martial was the perfect winger but now you look at it two, three years down the line it's more of the opposite now where Rashford is just more dominant out on the wing and where he's just on the sidelines against the fullback one-on-one it's just more easy for him rather than being up against two physical striker, uh, centre-backs mm. and where it's now look at Martial he normally would be difficult for him to get into the game through, from the flanks. It would take him maybe up until the second half of the game, which is not simply not good enough. But now, when he's playing through the middle uh, in strike, he's just getting more into the game, and he's just his movement on and off the ball is amazing too. And you just gotta make the most out of it, which we, which we are now finally doing through, with Bruno Fernandes, who's the type of player that just passes without even need to, without a doubt. He just knows that the strike is just gonna be going that way, left or right or through the middle. And he just does so. Yeah. Obviously, one deal that's been done recently or, or is looking at least imminent, according to most reliable sources, I think Fabrizio Romano said it, it's basically a done deal, is Timo Werner to Chelsea. Obviously, supposedly, you know, looked like he was going to Liverpool and then obviously he's now going to Chelsea. Do you think, is Werner a sign that you'd like to have seen at, at United? Do, do you think he'd have been a good player to have around? I think the type, I think you could... You could see he's got a strength that Martial has, but the weaknesses that Werner has and where in another area where Martial thrives in. Mm. So, for instance, obviously, uh, Werner's more faster than Martial and in terms of if you're like a high-pressing team, maybe you could say Werner would be the perfect type of player to have. But then, obviously, it comes into a different league. You're playing in the Bundesliga where all the teams in Germany are the type that like to press high up the pitch. And you can see how they play with a high line, which goes up to the halfway halfway of the pitch. And that's the type of situation where Werner tends to thrive in with his movement and his incredible burst of pace. And you could say, would he get that space in the Premier League where you're playing against the low block, such as Burnley? Who else is there? But I'd say Burnley is the best option for yeah. the time being because of how they are at Turf Moor and especially away from home. Like, it'd be difficult for a player like Werner to find that space. You could say he's a, situ- a similar situation to uh, Aubameyang from Arsenal yeah. where he had a bit of a difficulty of playing as a lone striker and then it's just that uh, Una Emery and Arteta have had to like shuffle it around whether he has to be played as a, a two up front with Lacazette to help him out or something. now you just see that Lacazette's just a lone forward and Aubameyang now has to be, be forced out on the wings. 
So it could be a similar situation for Werner unless he adapts to the Premier League straight away or unless Chelsea just build a team around him. Mm. In terms of incomings, obviously Werner isn't someone that is like looking likely for an incoming, perhaps unfortunately. Uh, one person we've already discussed in the podcast though is Donny van der Beek with uh, the European lad obviously telling us earlier on a bit, a bit more about him. Um, what do you think about Van der Beek as a possible signing? Do you think he's someone that 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 we need and that would fit in well at United? Van der Beek is a very good player from what I've seen uh, Ajax and what he has shown with Ajax through the Champions League campaign from last season. But um, in terms of signing, it is going to be difficult with who we can attract and which type of players we are looking for because obviously the season's not ended yet and. There's no guarantee that we'll get Champions League football for next season, so some players might just reject us, and it wouldn't be a surprise no more because obviously the name Manchester United does attract many players, but it doesn't do so as much as many fans might think, because obviously the players, whether they're the best in the, in Europe or are on the rise, they are looking for teams that they can have regular game timing and are able to play in the best competitions such as the Champions League. But he's the type of player that would do well at United but it would be really difficult to put him into the midfield especially once you got when you got Bruno as the number 10 in the midfield and then you got Fred and Pogba who are more likely to play a deeper role but would like to push up along with Bruno and the attackers I, I see Van der Beek as a quite an attacking type of midfielder mm. and I don't think he would be what we need unless we looking to improve the bench because obviously we've got and just Pereira and Jesse Lingard and we do it's, it's about time we get rid of these deadwoods and find players that we can have, find useful from the bench but it's a bit of a difficult situation because you have to look at another area in midfield so as for instance the defensive midfield position yeah <laughs> like Matic is getting old he's on his last legs yeah there's been reports that he has been looking fit uh, compared to his last few seasons, but he is getting old. Oh, he's about 32, is he? So, so, yeah, I think he's something about that, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and then McTominay, he's not a natural defensive midfielder, so it is really difficult to like, force a player, like a box-to-box type of player like McTominay into a position like that. What mm. do you think? I'm just I'm just wondering, what, what do you think is our best midfield three? Well, what would you say is our best current midfield three that, that would that would work? You know, you know, not player for player, but the actual midfield three that we should play in games. What what would you say that is? In terms of balance, mm. yeah. you have to look at Matic, Pogba and Bruno. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely but then again, agree. It's, it's, it all comes down to the opposition that you play against. Mm. Because Bruno could maybe play like, do you know how Bernardo Silva does for City where... Bernardo Silva sometimes plays in the mid- midfield three or sometimes he plays a right winger mm. and maybe we could just put Bruno Fernandes into that position on the right wing in the or in, only in the home games I would suggest where the other team is just like really sitting deep and you just want all your best attacking players out on the pitch but yeah Matic Pogba and Bruno would be my main three at choosing midfield mm. what do you think yeah, no, I, com- I completely agree with that midfield three. And I was talking about this with um, the European lad in the in the first part of the podcast, in that as much as Fred has been excellent this season, and I think we all love Fred, uh, you know, it's, I think as, as United fans, we've all massively, if we didn't, if we had doubts about him at the beginning, I think those doubts have been somewhat distinguished. Uh, to, to be honest, they've, they've been um, extinguished, I should say. Um, 
But you know, it's a shame to, to, to think about a midfield without Fred, considering how good he's been this season. But I don't think he offers enough protection that, that Matic does. I think when you've got a, players like Pogba and Bruno, who, as you say, are more, pro, more progressive and attacking, and you know you want to give them those free roles because we know how talented they can be in those sort of free attacking roles. Um, I think I think you need someone like Matic in order to shore that up. And that's where my reservations of Van der Beek have come about as well, with sort of the similar of what you've just said. Is Van der Beek going to be that base of midfield to replace Matic? No, I don't think he is, to be honest. And I think when you look at, you know, we've already got, you know, Fred and McTominay at, at the minute, if we're looking at what we've just said as our best midfielders, Fred and McTominay are currently squad options. Do we need another player to go in there with Van der Beek? I'm not so sure. Although I have no doubt about Van der Beek's quality. It's just, um, it's just whether he's, he's what we really need. Um, so Van der Beek's one we've obviously discussed. Um, there's been an array of other names that have been linked. I think Corentin Tolisso was one recently. I, do, do you have any thoughts on Tolisso? I personally, I'm personally not a big fan of his at all. Tolisso, to be honest. So, do you have any thoughts on him as another midfielder linked with United recently? I think if I was to take the Leon Tolisso that we've seen, I'd take him any day of the week, really. But obviously. Since he's been at Bayern Munich, he's, he, has, he hasn't developed into the type of midfielder you would have thought he would have become, mm. and his injury issues have been uh, have been on the bad side of his career. Where this is like you would consider where the age he would be looking to peak into his best performances. And the last thing United would need is a injury injury prone player, as we've already seen the injury issues that we ended up having in defence and in midfield this season and over the seasons in the past and it's going to be really difficult to see someone like him trying to adapt to the Premier League in terms of like how much game time would he get like if you were to get him it would be maybe ideal as a loan option rather than as a permanent because obviously Premier League is really physical and the game is just very intense compared to how he might find it at Bayern Munich and how he's had it at Lyon in the past couple of years. Mm. I think in a similar light to to Corinthian Tolisso, a good uh, comparison that could be made is Renato Sanchez, who's a sort of similar ilk of player, I'd argue. Um, obviously now doing well in Ligue 1 again, Renato Sanchez, but had a massively, had a torrid time at Swansea, to be honest. One of, one of the, the worst sort of spells we've ever seen for a player in the Premier League, um, which isn't nice to say about a player, but, but he really wasn't great. And I think... Those t- sort of players are what spring to mind when you think about Tolisso, in, in my mind anyway. And that I've definitely got reservations about him as a signing. Obviously, the, these aren't the only names. There's so many names that have been linked. Um, obviously, people have got to write about something. And I think everyone everyone likes uh, likes throwing United in the mix to get a few clicks, to be honest. Um, uh, obviously, Grealish, Sancho and the likes all been mentioned. Out of the names that you've seen, sort of over this lockdown period and the sort of a realistic window, what, what would your be ideal incomings for the next window? Uh, it's going to be difficult because I would say it would really depend on how we finish the season. And obviously, Champions League football makes a big difference to um, whether we end up buying a player or not. Like, you've seen a lot of reports with the Telegraph, the Times saying on Sancho, it would solely depend on whether United would get Champions League football or not. Mm. And he is open up to the idea of coming to United and United do sound like they are enjoying a potential project of having him and Marcus Rashford as the key star poster boys, as you could say. Mm. And 
I would say the right wing situ- uh, the right wing area is one of the key areas that we need to focus on. It's ideal that we get a natural right winger rather than trying to like put like how I was saying before Bruno Fernandez on the right wing. You wouldn't try enforcing him into a position that he might not be able to adapt quickly, and he's already thriving in the number ten role as he has shown from January to March. So I would say the right wing position is a must to cover before we can start next season. And then I would say one of the, we could try filling in one or two um, other areas in the squad. I would say finding a replacement for Nemanja Matic and also providing some competition at left back for Luke Shaw. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're spot on really with that. I think in terms of midfield, the thing we should be looking at next is a replacement for Matic, as I mentioned. I think Thomas Partey's a name that's been linked mostly with Arsenal, to be honest, which I thought was quite surprising. But um, I think Thomas Partey's a player I'd, I'd love to see at United. As you say, Sancho is another one. And Grealish, I think those three, to be honest. But as you say, left-back position's got to be filled as well. I think we're in a bit of a tough spot, really, because we've got a lot of spots to fill. And we've, we've now got to do it at a time where, first of all, as you say, our finances might not be as good as first thought although you know I'm sure United aren't aren't too hard done by um but also in a position where other clubs perhaps might have want to sell um you know just their financial situation is as relevant as ours if they haven't got a lot of money to go out and spend for replacements I can't see you know sides wanting to sell their prized assets and although you know we've seen Werner and, and, and obviously Ziyech uh, I'm trying to think what other deals have already been done sort of this is those are the only ones that sort of spring to mind to be honest Chelsea getting their business done early but um, it's just yeah, who we can bring in really. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a really interesting it's gonna be a really interesting summer and a really interesting return for football. Asif, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, have you got any last words you want to say to, to, to anyone listening? Um, well, it's been great. Thanks for a lot, a lot for having me on. I've not been on a podcast for like probably a couple of months, up to half a year now. So I've really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for having me on. No, it's hopefully, hopefully United could end the season with one or two trophies and we can have Champions League nights back to Old Trafford for next year. Yeah, that's right. Spot on, mate. Thanks for coming on. See you later, mate. Thanks a lot.